Hey book friends, this is Corey. Thanks for listening along as we have a book club of two over a cup of tea. Our goal is to explore beloved genres as well as push ourselves out of our comfort zone and explore genres we might typically overlook or avoid. In each episode, we discuss a randomly selected genre. We will be sharing our reading experience and a brief review of the books we recommended to each other from the previous episode. Also a heads up, so that we can have a rich and in-depth conversation, there may be spoilers about the books we are discussing. All right, let's get started. Well, hello there. Welcome to our final episode of 2018. And it's been so long since we've recorded that I actually didn't know what episode it was. I think it's 18. I think it's 18 too. Oh, that would be fun. I think it's 18. The 18th episode of 2018. I think so, yeah. We're so good. We're so 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 amazing and how we just make these things happen does that mean that we have to keep doing this so like in oh 2025 it'll be like and this is episode 25 and then <laughs> 2025 i think we'd have to be doing this full time yeah maybe probably so if you want girls to could dream to continue <laughs> to have podcasts for the rest of our lives yeah we are more than open to that possibility that's true our gofundme account's still open so if you've been thinking about that I think a generous donation of a hundred thousand dollars would get us through the year. <laughs> or ten dollars. Yeah. If, I mean, if we wanted to quit our jobs. Oh, I don't know that I want to quit my job though. I like my I like I like my jobs. Wait, yeah, okay. Okay. I know you don't though. So <laughs> if we did that, you would have to like take charge of a lot of coordinating. I would do everything. And I would just read and show up and talk. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. So if you want Kiri to be able to quit her, quit her job, <laughs> which she's very sad at, um, give us some money. <laughs> <laughs> oh and happy holidays <laughs> yeah just the season <laughs> instead of spending money on your loved ones spend it on us <laughs> we're just two lonely girls living in a lonely world isn't that a song taking the midnight train to georgia to anywhere to anywhere that's right there's also a song about taking the midnight train to georgia though yeah but that's not you know journey yeah so Anyway, we're digressing. We are. I like to use that word now. Digressing. All right. Well, um, we have snow on the mountains. That's cool. It looks so pretty. Oh, it was like the Pacific Northwest the last few days. It's been misty and gray, and I'm like, go home whether you're drunk. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty. I was driving up Cedar Hill to Mm -hmm. McMillan Mesa yesterday morning, and I couldn't see. Oh, I know. It was so cloudy and foggy. Mm -hmm. It's like England. Yeah, two fun weather facts about Flagstaff. We rarely get fog, maybe like once a year, once every two years, which happened this week, and we don't get tornadoes. Which also happened in the past three years. We had one this year, and we had one two years ago in Belmont. No, that was a longer ago. That was like my first year here. No. Yeah. It just happened. It's just like the earthquakes. Oh, and apparently earthquakes don't happen, and we've also had two Oh, no, earth, earthquakes are more common. Really? Yeah. I feel like tornadoes are more common. No, 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 no. Earthquakes are because um, we're still on fault lines and vol- semi, not active, volta- vo- dormant volcanoes. But we have, like, the desert and... 50 mile per hour winds. Yeah. Well, the, the world's time. also coming to an end because climate change. I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not even going to say I the T word. I love how they call him 45. Like That's because that's what he is. Well, I know, but it's also kind of like this snide little I'm not going to call you by your name or president. I'm just going to call you 45. Nobody likes him. Very few people like him. Well, Sadly, people some people like him. Like him. 
Well, anyways, okay, we're not going to talk politics. <laughs> we're digressing again. Again, <laughs> so we haven't we done this do for a while. <laughs> okay, people are like, "Come on, girls, <laughs> get it together." Get to the point. <gasps> so, this is our final episode, as I already told everyone who's listening, if they're still listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, we decided to mix things up and do our favorite picks of 2018. So, these are books they may have not been on the podcast. They may have just been books we picked up. In fact, ironically, I think most of them are not books that we talked yeah. about on the podcast. None of them are, at least for me. Or one of them one, is. Yeah. Mm, you know what? I don't think any of them are for me. We did such a good job this well, year. Well, <laughs> I mean, some of them were, uh, but then I, as I kept narrowing down, like Nature Fix was on here and then I took it off. Mm. So, and there was a few others that were four stars for me, but I tried to make myself just pick five stars for the most part. Yeah, that's what I did too. On Goodreads, in yeah. case people are like, where are you starring them? Um, so yeah, that's what we're going to do. We each have six. Yeah. Six six picks. Twelve. Oh, Tw- we should have done 18 oh. for episode 18. Curses! At the end of 2018. Okay, we're not as great as we thought we were. <sighs> Shucks. Next year. Next year. Goals. <laughs> First, I guess we should talk about tea, and then let's move into books. Yes, you picked this tea today. I did. So it's from my Sips by um, Box. And it is a gun, an organic gunpowder green tea from Bear Leaf. Um, I did it for the two minutes that it said to steep. And um, also because I know Kiri's not a big fan of green tea, I did very small cups. Um, <laughs> I like you. it. It has like a nice little light straw flavor. It's very mild and delicate. But what I have learned is I don't like jasmine green tea. Actually, I don't like florally teas in general. Yeah, they're a little um, overbearing. I don't like... Yeah, I don't like drinking flowers, I've learned. Yeah, I don't either. Um, But I like regular green tea, just as kind of a nice little mild sip sip. Mm -hmm. So this one, you know, kind of hits green tea notes that I would expect. Like I said, kind of that straw flavor. Um, What else? Tastes like hair. Yes, Carrie thinks it tastes like hair. It's like bitter hair. It's Mm. hair covered in hairspray. Ew. Yeah, you know how like if you hairspray your hair and you accidentally get some of the hairspray in your mouth and it has that, that's what this tastes like. I'm going to have to politely disagree with you on that one. <laughs> At per usual, even though Kiri and I are amazing friends, we can never agree on anything. Except podcasting. On a lot of things. This is true. Just not green tea. <laughs> and often not books. True. <laughs> But we both hate the president, and um, we like to talk about books, and we like each other. So it works out, and we like dogs. Yeah, boom, and we like Flagstaff and squirrels. Yes, oh my gosh, my friend Allie, hi Allie, love you. Sent me a squirrel scarf. Uh, Oh, you were wearing it when we were planning. No, no, no. This is a new squirrel scarf. I just got it in the mail yesterday. At least I'm assuming it's from Allie. It doesn't say who it's from, but. I, I know that it's from Allie because, yeah. which is ironic Squirrels. because, well, she kind of not, I shouldn't say one up because it sounds like a competition, but I just sent her a really awesome squirrel card that she just got in the mail. And then last night I got a squirrel scarf in the mail. Uh, I'm like, okay, I need to one up. I need to go up a little bit from a card, I think, because yeah. a scarf is pretty awesome. Ooh, this is a good challenge. I want a squirrel friend. That sends me squirrel things. It's like a squirrel competition. I do owe you. Yeah, I mean, because you gave me that really great squirrel print. I don't owe you. It's holding a heart. I know. Okay. I need to. And wearing glasses. All right. You don't have to do it. Well, I know, but I want to. Because I know know that you appreciate squirrels just as much as I do. I know. I need to work on collecting some sweet squirrels things to give out randomly when I feel like it, though. Okay. 
And we digressed for the third time. <laughs> Shall we keep ta- track of how many times we do? No. We're going to talk about books now. We're going to talk about books. Unless you want to say some more about hairspray green tea. I don't think it's hairspray, but... You know, I respect your feelings on this tea, and I will be okay with that. Okay. All right. Well, you want to talk about your books first? I was going to ask. I thought we'd go back and forth. Okay. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. So the first book that I... Oh, two books are from the podcast. Yeah. My books. Yeah. You said that they weren't from the I said podcast. most of them were Oh, not. yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to start the <laughs> other way then, because the two that I have listed on first are podcast books. So, and you've already heard a plenty of episodes on those. So the first one I picked is Bloodleaf by Crystal Smith. Which I don't think is out yet. It is. Oh, it is? It came out in August, I think. Oh, March 2019. Ooh, so you guys don't even have this book yet. Sneak preview. <laughs> um, this Thank book... you, Corey, for giving me a fans reader oh, copy. Also, Corey, most of all of these books are Corey's books that she's picked out for me, except for two. It's like I do it as a job. I know. Like a psychic what? or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I paused because this book is about, like, blood magic and things like that and um it's YA right I think yeah I think it is young yeah young adult it looks YA it's magical it's love stories it's abandonment it's oh just so captivating Mm. it takes place I don't know when it takes place but it sounds like it probably takes place in the early 1900s or something like that when people rode through uh, transportation through horseback. Okay. And the blood leaf is a plant that they use to basically resurrect people once they've died. If Ooh. it hasn't been too long. That's so creepy. So are they like are they like zombies? No, or? no, no, no. Like they get restored to their natural selves. Huh. Um, but it's only happened twice in this book. Mm-hmm. And um, she's like supposed to get married. There's like different clans of people and so she's basically getting married to a different clan to restore the peacefulness of the two clans together and yeah I mean it's very dramatic and very like mm-hmm. I finished it in a day and it's 384 pages so nice it's captivating to say okay. the least and I may the, or may not get to it the cover is pretty yep I just saw the cover and I was like this looks like a book Curie would like <laughs> I literally like, and I kind of skimmed the back and I was like, yeah, Yeah. YA fantasy. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to pass this on to her. Yeah. And, and for back for context, Curie was in a pretty rough reading rut. I hadn't read anything in a long time. And I was like, I, so I handed her to this stack of books and I was like, here, I think these are what you need in your life. Yeah. And they were. (laughs) (laughs) It's what friends do for each other. It's true. Okay, so most of I don't think I don't think any of mine ended up being books from uh, the this year. So you're getting five picks that you've not heard about, and it was hard. So I went to my Goodreads and I looked at all my five star and four stars, and then I narrowed that down to I think oh yeah. So I ended up with seventeen books, and then I had to narrow that down to five. So I came up with six. <laughs> so, <laughs> People came up with six. Math hard. Yeah. And I may put my rest of my 2018 favorites in the show notes. I don't know if you had any that you ended up crossing off. Okay. I guess I just got more excited about books. I think because I was in like a reading slump. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So my first pick is Sourdough by Robin Sloan. 
and um, there's and there's actually some logic to why I picked all the book how I narrowed it down. So this one I picked because I actually sometimes struggle with magical realism. Mm -hmm. I I don't know like. <laughs> I love fantasy. I mean, you know, if it's a weird world that really doesn't exist or just has some kind of common resemblances to our world, I can roll with it. But when it's like a normal world and then there's something weird, I'm often like, huh, I don't buy it. Mm. <laughs> so this is one of those exceptions where I um, was able to embrace the bizarre magical twist. And it's also set in San Francisco. Which I love. It's probably one of my favorite, all-time favorite cities, and it kind of pokes gentle fun at at the foodie scene and the market, like the artisan market scene. Mm -hmm. And, and I just, sourdough. yeah, and I just really, 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 really loved it. Have you read it? No. Okay. Um. So the main character, who's like in like in her mid twenties, and she's working in Michigan at like I don't even remember what the company was, and then she gets recruited by this start like kind again kind of stereotypical don't know what they really do, computery, techie, startup company in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So she's like, sure, I'll move to Michigan, or from Michigan to San Francisco for this really cool job. But, and to live in a really cool city. But she really hates her job, you know, because again, they're kind of like, most of her coworkers live to work, and that's mm -hmm. all they really do. And so she gets home one night, and she has this flyer on her door from a little neighborhood restaurant, and they deliver. And so she's like, ooh. And so she orders their spicy soup and their sourdough. And it's and so one of, and it's ran by these two immigrant brothers who are there illegally. Mm. But she falls in love with the spicy soup and sourdough that they deliver one of the brothers delivers by moped. And so she starts ordering it like every night, because of course she works so much she never cooks or anything like that. Then one day she comes home and they're like, We are getting deported. So we need you to take care of our sourdough starter. Here you go. Oh. And she's like, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so the sourdough is the magical realism. Mm -hmm. um, it is alive and not alive in the microbial. Like it talks to you. It sings actually. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't even know if I could get into that. <laughs> and it teaches her how to make bread. And so she starts making bread and everyone loves the bread that she's making. And so they're like, you should sell this. So she's like kind of selling it to a few people casually. And then she gets invited into this really bizarre underground market where everyone does this really bizarre experimental food stuff. And, and then it kind of goes from there. And there's some crazy things that happen with the sourdough later in the book that I don't want to reveal because that would ruin it. But I, um, I just really thought it was fun. I, it, it made me giggle and the characters and the interactions between the characters because she keeps in touch with the brothers and you kind of learn some of their backstory. And um, she has a great quote at one point. She says, here's the thing I believe about people my age. We are the children of Hogwarts and more than anything, we just want to be sorted. Mm. I thought that was such a great line. Yeah. Um, so it was fun. It was, and it's a tiny little book. I mean, it, it, you could read it in a day or two. Mm -hmm. um, so quirky and just fun characters and I guess a little bit of magical realism that I could get behind. Mm. So that's pick number one. Mm. All right. So my second pick is a Susanna Kearsley book, which I think I've said that I enjoy Susanna Kearsley immensely. She does yeah. a lot of historical fiction, but then throws in like a ghost stuff <laughs> into it. And yeah. so this book followed, and most of her books are double time. So it's like real time and past time of like the unfolding of the story. And so this is based 
I have no idea where. Where is it? I think it's in New England. New England. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And she is a museum curator, uh, the main character. Mm-hmm. And they are restoring this house, and then they start to learn about the bellwether, which is a boat, and the people in the past are the original original settlers from England, and there's a black woman, and she's quote unquote a slave owned by somebody else that's working mm-hmm. in this family's home. And so you learn about the French having to stay in these people's homes because they are um, captured. So what is it called when the government used to put captured um, army oh. servicemen in with people to keep an eye on them? I don't remember that yeah, term. I can't remember either, but I know what you're talking like about. It's like probation or like... <laughs> making sure that they don't do anything naughty and people fall in love and a ghost shows up and then there's love in real time and past time and it's this huge mystery of who done it because something gets done love it's just mystery unraveling the past Uh and the past is not actually what they thought happened Uh, so it's like a yeah unveiling of the true past I like books like that. I'm reading the the masterpiece by Fiona Davis right now. I don't know that book. It just came out. It's and it's so good. It's kind of the story of the Grand Central Terminal in New York City, mm-hmm. and so it goes back and forth between the 1920s when it was like a bustling train station, mm-hmm. and the 1970s when it's like on the verge of being tore down and mm. again some mystery and there's art and love and yeah back and forth. That's back how and it forth. is with this yeah. book as well. So another Corey pick for me. Winning. <laughs> okay, so this next one wins for the longest title of any of the books that I picked. Brace yourselves. Oh, gosh. Gotta take a breath. <sighs> okay. Cork Dork, a wine-fueled adventure among the obsessive sommeliers, big bottle hunters, and rogue scientists who taught me to live for taste by Bianca Bosker. Holy moly. Guess what it is. It's about wine. It's about wine, <laughs> which I love. It's also immersive, not creative nonfiction. No. I know, you're like, ugh, yeah, so immersive journalism, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it when they just, like, jump in, like, f- all feet and arms and legs and just live it. So this is one of my only two nonfiction picks, although there were several that stood out to me this year. And I picked it because I have really loved wine ever since I had a chance to live in Northern California for a job project a million years ago. And I harbor a not-so-secret uh, dream of someday working in the wine industry in some way. Um, so I really loved this little insider scoop and I definitely learned even more about the wine industry and wine tasting than I thought I knew. And some things that made me a little sad actually, because, uh, like many things in our world today, I, and I guess I shouldn't be surprised by this, uh, especially kind of our, you know, we'll call it our grocery store wine. Mm -hmm. Um, they actually do a lot of, uh, like chemical enhancements to Mm. create consistency of flavor and you know, like extracts and things that kind of enhance the natural. I mean, they're still making it out of grape juice and they're still fermenting, but then to give it the exact flavor that they want. So when you buy the bottle 10 years from now, it's still the same. Yes. So if you buy a bottle of, I don't know, let's say 19 crimes. Sure. 19 crimes. If you buy it this year or next year or the year after, it's going to taste pretty much the same. Um, so I get that, and it doesn't necessarily make me want to go, I'm never buying cheap grocery store wine. I just bought some today, actually. Bogle's little uh, essential red blend at Sprouts. Mm. If you buy four bottles, you get 10% off. 
So they're like $9 a piece. Nice. They're good. Anyways. Um, yeah. So, but it also made me continue to appreciate the, the local wineries. So, I mean, you know, Arizona actually has a pretty good wine scenery, mm -hmm. wine scenery, wine scene. And I'm a club member for Stronghold down, which is based out in Cottonwood. So I get like three bottles of wine. Yeah. Three bottles of wine every quarter. Um, so I like being able to support the local wineries like that, but it was fun. I, you know, I, sometimes I was like kind of semi-jealous, semi-skeptical because she was like really getting into like really elite wine. So, oh, I guess I just say it. the whole goal was, is that she decided she wanted to become a sommelier, which for most people is a multi-year process, full-time job, really intense. Like you have to be able to taste a wine um, blindly and then say, uh, this is from a small village in France and it's made with oh, these geez. grapes and then from this year and all of this stuff. So like to do this, that means you're tasting a hell of a lot of wine. Yeah. So she like gets to shadow people in really fancy like wine stewards and sommiers and really fancy New York restaurants. She goes to these really elite competitions where she gets to like, I don't know whose palms she was greasing. Um, but I was just like, dang girl, mm -hmm. I want to do that. <laughs> but she was also drinking a lot, like drinking all day, every day. That and I was awful. Yeah. And it, and you know, and it made me remember, a couple years ago, they did like this wine tasting at NAU and I got to be a guest judge, which I was super duper excited about. And it was fun, but we tasted like 40 different wines oh, geez. and, and we were, so we were spitting, but you still were getting buzzed because it still kind of soaks in. Yeah. And I mean, I just, my, my, I got taste fatigue. I was like, I am so done tasting. Like, can we yeah. be done please? Um, so it wasn't as novel as I thought it would be. And then that made me think, Oh, maybe I don't wanted this to do this because maybe it's not as fun as I think it is, but this book was fun. And, um, yeah. Oh, and the other thing that I really related to is cause I sometimes do this and this is me owning, I think this is my only child's, um, or cause I was an only child for about 11 years. So I think this is my only child syndrome coming out. But sometimes if I get something really nice, like a nice bottle of wine, I'm like, I don't want to share it. Yeah, I'm like that too. And 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 so she was like that too. But then she's meeting people who are like, I got this amazing five hundred dollar bottle of wine. I can't wait to share it with everyone. And she's like, You want to share this with eight other people? Like, right. and and he, they're like, Yeah. And she's like, I would hold on to that thing. And I'm like, right. I get you, girl. <laughs> I would be the same way. Totally. But you know, that is kind of the the atmosphere of being in this big group of people is that if you get something really cool and unique to taste, mm -hmm. you want to share it with others. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. So anyways, that was my um, nonfiction pick. Mm. All right, you're up. I'm still on fiction. The third book that I have selected is another Corey book. <laughs> Corey is a rock star. It's Who like is this Corey girl? <laughs> so this is another young adult book called Spinning Silver. Actually, it's not YA. Really? Yeah. It's adult, adult. Oh, it doesn't read like adult, adult. Oh, okay. It's like young adult. Sorry, I interrupted you. Keep going. It's okay. By Naomi Novik. And this is a story. It's um, magical realism and gods and white gods and ice gods and <laughs> being able to turn things into gold with your hands. And she... Yeah, I mean, it's just drama-filled. It's sometimes a little stupid, but most of it was pretty good about this young woman is um, a poor Jewish woman who still lives with her mom and dad, mm -hmm. and the ice gods are 
basically own the territory around this little village. And mm. so you know that they're coming because you can see a light up on a road, like a road magically appears through the forest, and that's how hmm. you know that these ice gods are coming. And okay. so eventually the ice god gets wind of this girl who can turn silver into gold. And so he gives her three pieces to start off with, and he gives her 50, and he gives her like 100, mm. and then he's like, you have to marry me, and I'm taking you back to my ice village. <laughs> and then there's like three giant storerooms of just gold from top, or silver from top to bottom. Oh, and she has to turn them all gold. And so she gets pretty clever and is like, if we remove gold from one of these rooms, that means I only have two rooms to do. And mm-hmm. She starts to kind of have feelings for him, and... This is sounding... So I think this is, like, meant to be based on a fairy tale. Oh, really? Yeah, the one where the girl could spin straw into gold. Rumpelstiltskin. Oh, I don't... I don't know that one. What? That's like a classic. I know a lot of them. What? Yeah, I never was a fairy tale. (gasps) They never... Like, my parents never read us fairy tales. Okay. Like, we couldn't watch Disney movies because it was a bad... (laughs) <laughs> like expectation of what women are supposed to be like, so we didn't watch Disney movies okay. unless okay. it was animals, like <laughs> Lion King. It was depressing <laughs> as shit. But anyway, uh, this book is a quick, quick read, very okay. captivating. I think it's going to be a series. The way it ends, it seems mm, like there's going to be a mm-hmm. second book that comes out with it. Okay, but it just got released in September. Yeah, well, and she's written uh, one or two, or she has at least one other one out. And yeah, I, I could be wrong. I'll have to look at the back. But I feel like when I was reading about it, it's her, th- her whole shtick is kind of fairy tale retelling. Oh, okay. So, cause even when Which you're saying. Which could be YA because. Right. Well, we have it in our sci-fi fantasy section. Oh, uh, okay. Instead of our YA section. I don't know if I would say it's sci-fi. Well, we just mix those two together. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like. Mm. Yeah. It's definitely more fantasy. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. But so. it's really good. It's so good. It's okay. So good. I still haven't read that, so I will keep that I one on my on list. Of, I know, I know. I have so many freaking books. It's kind of stressful now. <laughs> We're everywhere. We're They're, surrounded. You're going to be the little old lady with the shoes, but instead of shoes, are going to be books. You're there could be worse a things. Giant book. <laughs> you're surrounded by books. Oh goodness gracious! The dogs are very excited that somebody is approaching your door. Maybe I think so. Yeah. Uh, home recording problems. Okay. <laughs> So my next pick is Circe by Madeline Miller, and this is a fresh interpretation of Greek mythology. I loved mythology as a kid. Sounds like you probably didn't read a lot of mythology either. No, I didn't read. (laughs) Oh, that's right. That's right. I always forget that. I'm like a late bloomer in the book. Yeah, that's okay. So it was a really treat to encounter this as an adult, and it's a uh, so Circe the witch is a minor character from Homer's The Odyssey. And she lives on an island, and she's known for turning men into pigs. Um, and so this is told from her perspective. And what I really liked is that this story really told, like, is a story of, like, really powerful women. And they, um, but she's really vulnerable, you know, because she's in this world dominated by men. Mm-hmm. And she lives in this world where she's part of, like, like her her father is a god, and her mother is a nymph, I think. And she's just not as pretty or as special as everyone right. else in her family. So mm. she's kind of like the misfit underdog. And I for, something happens. And to appease some, another group of gods, her father banishes her to this island forever. Oh, um, to live in isolation. And so then it becomes her figuring out how to like 
be herself and come into her own. And, um, you know, and she, a man comes to her island, who I won't say who it is, and she falls in love and she ends up having a child. <laughs> so, so she discovers love. She discovers, um, you know, how to be a mother. Uh, she has a complicated relationship with her siblings, so she kind of navigates those. There's all these major mythology characters that kind of come in and out, like Icarus, who flew too close to the sun, Icarus and Daedalus, and um, the Minotaur and the Maze. And so there's like all these reference points to all these really classic myths. Um, but at the heart of it, it's about her and how she overcomes all this adversity and, and learns to kind of love herself and be a strong woman. Mm. So I thought it was great. Mm. I really did. That I love it. Nice. It's really good. I think you'd like it actually quite a bit. Okay. So my fourth pick is nonfiction and it's Victoria, the queen an intimate biography or discovery, something like that. I didn't write down the whole title cause it was too long by Julia Barrett. Mm -hmm. And this talks about queen Victoria, who is the longest reigning monarch until our current queen. Well, not our queen, but <laughs> like the queen, the queen, the queen that is currently ruling the UK. Um, and it just talks about like her struggles with postpartum depression mm. and when Albert died and like the turmoil of that and how she wore mourning clothes for her whole life. She set out his clothes for mm -hmm. the rest of her life. Like she made the servants always bring hot water for like shaving, mm -hmm. even though he mm -hmm. wasn't there anymore. Um, talked about just the fact that she was so young when she became queen and then had to really grow up with England mm -hmm. like that relationship of going from the late 1800s to the early no the early 1800s to the late 1800s okay and there's she, a lot that happened in yeah, history I mean yeah. she didn't abdicate she died mm -hmm. and then King George I think was her son came and it's just a very intimate retelling of her life and mm -hmm. her experiences mm -hmm. and kind of it doesn't follow the show victoria very well um well, i know there's a show there is a show it's really good it's on bbc <laughs> um but it talks about her children because she had nine children and she suffered from postpartum depression from every child and oh, so geez. it just kept like every other year she had postpartum depression essentially because she was just having babies because her and albert liked to bounce like a while while <laughs> so um it gives you a more introspective idea of what she was like as a mother mm -hmm, and the mm -hmm. fact that one of her kids burned all of her diaries so that nobody would have record oh. of what was going on in certain cases in their family like what? when there were struggles mm -hmm. the eldest daughter got rid of a lot of stuff so that interesting there's missing archives essentially <laughs> which would never really fly here <laughs> <laughs> interesting yeah it's okay. a, not too long i think it's maybe five or six hundred pages but it's written in a non-biography way. Like, okay. it's written a little bit more of a storytelling mm -hmm. of this woman and her life. So, okay. and you I know, know how I like British history. Yes. Yeah. Sounds like a great fit for you. It's so good. <laughs> I'm so geeky. And see, I'd rather just do a straight-out historical fiction and kind of just get a little slice of it. It felt like it was historical fiction. Okay. But it was real. Okay. I mean, I mean, it's as real as we can make it. Like, right. That's the thing about historical books is like mm -hmm. you can just share what you've researched, but that's not the full picture of what's happening. So I always take everything with a grain of salt. But yeah, it was still really good. 
Yeah, that just makes me think of, I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about how when people will say, that nonfiction was so good, it read like fiction. Mm-hmm. And and they were critiquing that being a statement that's made because they said the implication there is that nonfiction can't be as good or interesting right. as fiction. And I was like, wow, that's a really good point. Because I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, this totally reads like fiction. It reads like a story. And really what I should say more is this is just a really good nonfiction account mm-hmm. that's easy and interesting to read or yeah. something. Yeah. So I've been trying to work on that. Yeah. So. All right. My next book I just finished, thanks to you, mm. Um, mm. and it's The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna. Oh, God. <laughs> I thought it was like a book I picked, and I was so excited. Oh. Not... Yeah, Kiri had a, a copy of it, and she's. I was sad because I had to take mine back to the library, and she was like, I have a copy that I've never read. Do you want it? <laughs> I'm like, yes. I won it off Goodreads like mm. a year ago. So I've been hearing forever how great this book is. Um, I know, you know everybody loves it, including me. I know. <laughs> and the cover always catches my eye. I love the cover with that like shiny zigzag of yeah. the highway and all of that. But honestly, every time I'd hear a description of it, and even if I'd read the back, I'd be like, I don't know, Alaska in the 1970s, mm-hmm. a kind of a crazy Vietnam War POW and his family. Uh, what's so good about that? Right. Oh, man. It was all the things. And I think... So one of the things that I... I really found it... I just immersed myself in this book. And I don't know what about it specifically. Um, But do you ever, like, hear people describe books as atmospheric? No. Oh, you... Okay. So, again, I guess because a lot of times when I'm, like, listening to some of my book review blogs and things like... Or podcasts, they'll be like, and it was so atmospheric. And in my head, I'd be going... I think I know what you're trying to say, but I don't really know. But now you know what they're saying because of this book. Yes. So I actually looked it up because I wanted, well, because think about, I mean, so you think about when someone will be like, oh, I really love the atmosphere of that restaurant. So they're saying they like the setting, how it makes them feel. Mm -hmm. And so it's really the kind of the same idea. I think when someone says, oh, that book is so atmospheric. And, um, and so I found this and I'll include the link in there, but it says, um, It's that transporting element that somehow manages to take the reader into an alternative world. The setting of the book is often the bedrock of this atmosphere. When a novelist succeeds in creating that sensory and psychological space or particular place, I can find that the real physical place that the book is based on can even transform. So yes, I get it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am obsessed with Alaska now. (laughs) I want to like read all these books about Alaska. And it just... You know, I, I guess it's kind of historical fiction. I, I feel like it's hard for me to say that it's historical fiction because it's set in the 70s. I was born in the 70s, so that makes me feel really ancient. But um, at the same time, you know, I mean, it was 40 plus years ago. And it's told from the perspective, and I know you've read a little bit of this, mm-hmm. but so it starts out from the perspective pretty much the whole time from a, the thir- this 13-year-old girl. And um, so there are, definitely are triggers abound, um, domestic violence, mm-hmm. um, uh, well, I guess that's probably the big one. Um, there's death, you know, but they're living in this really, you know, we forget that Alaska is a pretty still wild place. And in the seventies, it was, you know, it, was our, it had only been a state for about 10 years. And so it was literally people doing a modern at that time version of pioneering and homesteading. Yeah. There was no electricity. There was no running water. 
you know, we all know how in the summer the days are a million hours long and and you have like two hours of daylight in the mm-hmm. winter. So it's this really, you know, so I almost felt like Alaska itself was a character in the book. And I think the story itself of the family was important, but a lot of it was just the experience of vicariously, you know, meeting all these characters and seeing what it might be like to live in this tiny little town and have this really tough, like, you know, they spend their three months of summer preparing to survive the winter. Right. And My that's... mom lived in Alaska mm. for a few years when they were little. I think in the oh. early 60s. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They saw a lot of moose. You should uh, let her read this book. She doesn't read. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, it is so interwoven. It is this coming of age story. And, and it is really sad because this girl goes from you know, for a while it was her and her mom against the world and she's super close to her. Then her dad reappears and he's essentially a broken man because he's been a Vietnam War POW. And her mother and father have this very complicated relationship. And as she gets older, she realizes how unhealthy and scary it is. And she wants, and, but her mom is just so entrenched in this relationship mm-hmm. with this person. And um, yeah, I just, you know, it, it just really spoke to me. I think my only critique is I wasn't crazy about the ending. And it wasn't a bad ending, but I felt like Kristen Hanna was just trying to tie everything up in a neat, pretty bow. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like, given the, the pacing of the story and what it dealt with, that if she'd left a few loose ends to just kind of let things... Let the reader make their own story up. Yeah. yeah. But she it, does that with all of her books. She did that with The Nightingale, too. That's true. It's yeah. like, this traumatic horrible book mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all these horrible things were happening and then I was like and then they lived happily ever after the end I'm like what the fuck yeah oh, explicit oh, explicit <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I think it just would have been a more realistic and poignant ending if she had kind of left some things unresolved yeah yeah but the journey was amazing. And and it was one of those books, and you know, and this kind of goes back to the immersiveness and the atmospheric-ness. There was times, like, I would sit and, like, I just wanted to keep picking it up and reading it, and then I would read for a while, and then I'd, like, kind of look up from the book, and I'd have to resituate myself in the real world. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just so out of it, and I'd be like, where am I? What's going on? And then I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm just reading a book. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know. So it was, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Mm-hmm. So... Mm, I know you're not gonna. I haven't sold I got you yet. Fifty pages in, and I was like, nope. <laughs> All right, so my second to last book is *The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo* by Taylor Jenton Reed, which is a podcast book that we did yes. this past year, and I think it was it's the so one good. that I picked. It was, yeah. Which is shocking because I usually don't like the books that I pick, but yeah. I've been doing much better for yeah. 2019. And we like, and and we both liked this we one. We both liked it. So I'm not going to talk too much about it just because there is an episode that you can refer back to and we can link in the show notes we about this book. Yes. Okay. Oh, you're done. I'm done. You're done. I'm not going to talk about this okay. episode. Yeah, I know. I know. Okay. Okay. Fine. 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 Um, oh yes. Oh gosh. Okay. So my next pick is Sadie by Courtney Summers. This is a YA, YA novel, but it definitely, I think can be an adult read as well. Um, again, trigger alerts abound, neglect, sexual abuse, violence, uh, murder. So dark, so good. Mm. Um, and gosh, where do we even start? It was just a really compelling and creative story structure. And I wanted to include a YA book because I've read some good YA books this year. And I think this one kind of 
had the best creative structure. Um, you get multiple points of view and you get Sadie's story told real time ish. Uh, and then it alternates with a podcast, um, transcript. Mm. And so, uh, Sadie is 19, lives in this tiny little poor hard scrabble town in the nowhere, Colorado. Um, her mother took off a long time ago. She lives with her sister and they have kind of a pseudo caregiver who looks after them. And then her 13 year old sister is murdered mm. pretty horrifically. And so the main part of the story is Sadie taking off to go find her sister's killer. So kind of from the beginning, you know that she has a sense or who she thinks she knows who it is. She's just trying to find this person. And so it's her journey of trying to track this person down. In the meantime, the podcast is actually uh, starts and recorded several months after she disappears on this journey. And so that's where the timing is kind of off, but the podcast fills in some blanks. It's he's kind of following her. The host is kind of following her trail and um, kind of getting things from a different perspective and from other characters, um, you know, is talking with the, the guardian and uh, kind of getting the backstory while she, you have this forward momentum of her on this vengeance quest. Mm. And um, yeah, it's, it's intense. I mean, it is really, really intense, but really good. This one does leave you with lots of unresolved issues. Nice. And you kind of are like, huh, wait, what, what? Oh, but it's good. I mean, I think it worked for the book. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes so. those books are the best books. Mm-hmm. Not having the resolution. Mm-hmm. All right. So my last book is what another podcast book that I picked that Corey I think, yeah, I think that was mine. Yeah, The Wrath and the Dawn by Renee Adia. 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 Mm -hmm. And I think this was like the first episode. It was. It was your, it was our Dark of Winter Dark picks. Dark of Winter, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a series. And so I got the second book, which wasn't quite as good as the first one. <laughs> the second one never is. It never is. Uh, yeah. um, I felt that way about the second dark, Three Dark Crowns. Yeah, same here. It kind of just dragged. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I mean, it's okay. okay. Like, I, I, you have to move the story forward. I get it. Right. But it kind of has that second story. Like, it's just trying to get you to the third one and yeah. the Yeah, and then the, the third one is the big one. And it's yeah. like, you could sometimes go without the second book. But right. this um, this book was, I thought it was really good. I, I finished it in a day. And <laughs> you can link back to the past episode to for yeah. more information about it if you're interested. Yeah. Cool. All right, my last pick is a um, again a w bit of a wild card, oh um, which is why I picked it, and it is again nonfiction, but it, it is a graphic novel memoir. Oh, right. So I've been pushing myself to try some graphic novels. I don't know if I, you even knew that. I did because we did. Oh right, right. Graphic novel. We did howl graphic novel. <laughs> That's We've right. Done like three graphic novels. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So I have found what I've discovered is that I actually like graphic novel memoirs. Um, cause I think it's a real story mm -hmm. with some illustrations. It works for me. I don't know, but this one is written by, it's called you and me and a bike by Eleanor Davis. And I, and again, I picked it cause it was a bit of a breakthrough for me in finding a style of graphic novel that I liked and it's pretty non-traditional. Um, so Eleanor, uh, decides to do a solo bike trip from her parents' house in Tucson to where she now lives with her spouse in Athens, Georgia. Jesus. Uh, right. Yeah. 
And so this, the graphic novel piece is really like her sketches, and they're just really simplistic. I mean, she's not a great artist. Um, I mean, she's better than me. No offense, Eleanor Davis. Um, but, I mean, you know, they're kind of just her little field sketches mm -hmm. of while she's doing this journey. And um, so the story is both kind of a narration of her experience, but also kind of her dealing with some shit, too. <laughs> I mean, you know, she's doing this long, solitary bike ride. Right. And at certain times, her body starts kind of giving out on her and that and kind of dealing with the frustrations of that. Um, she kind of plays around. I shouldn't play this around. She brings up issues of border towns and immigration because, again, with her trek, she's mm -hmm. kind of following. You know, she goes through southern Arizona into southern Texas, mm -hmm. um, and so she's kind of following, and then into Louisiana, um, and then ultimately, I think she gets. It's been a while since I've read it, but I think she gets picked up in Mississippi by her husband because she just can't. Like her, I think it's her knees. Like she just can't do it anymore. Yeah, but. You know, as someone who likes to bike and, um, you know, kind of just, just, and, you know, think, trying to put myself in her shoes of this woman doing a solo, really intense solo bike trip. Um, it was just kind of cool to hear her story. And, you know, she encounters some really cool people and who help her out and give her kindness and um, just, I don't know, it's a travel story too, which I like. So it kind of was an intersection of a lot of things I like, travel, memoir, bikes, and it just happened to be told in a graphic novel format. Um, so it was it was fun. Um, and yeah, that was my last pick. Cool. So, so this is our last episode of 2018. Do we want to tell listeners what our game plan is for 2019? Yeah, really quickly. So we are going to switch things up a little bit because Kiri Again. is overwhelmed. And we're still trying to figure out what works for both of us. So yes. we're going to continue this genre exploration genre. but instead of reading two books in an episode we're really <laughs> going to dive into one book mm -hmm. in an episode so for example january again is our dark of winter mm -hmm. so the first episode will be my pick mm -hmm. and then the second episode will be Corey's pick so we're kind of leaving more room for discussion for the books mm -hmm. as well as making it not be so crazy intensive because kiri is struggling with some depression and finds it a little bit overwhelming. So thankfully Corey is all for being open to changing up <laughs> the way we do things. And we're going to try and also have some new little tasty nom noms, tasty nom noms for each episode to add to the discussion. Mm -hmm. And we are probably going to start back up uh, second week, third week of January, probably. And we will still do bi-weekly, mm -hmm. so every two weeks. Yep. And it'll just be a slower pace. Yep. Manageable and a deeper dive. And slower and deeper. Yep. Ooh, yeah. And probably shorter episodes, I would imagine. You never know. We never know. TBD. We haven't done it yet. Yep. We're getting ready to, though. We're so, reading madly. So. Yeah. We wish you all happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Hopefully you have some ideas for books for people in your life. Yep. Or yourself. Yep. And we'll see you on the other side. Hey, book friends. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks for listening along with us. Head over to our podcast site to share your recommendations and your opinions with us on the books we have read. That website is booksandteapodcast.com. It's also where you will find our podcast show notes with a full list of titles for the books, along with our favorite tea and what we mentioned today. If you are on any social media, feel free to stop by our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. You will find those links on our website. To be the first to hear about the next new podcast and what we are working on, make sure you are signed up to our newsletter. 